This week's parsha is Parsha's Chayi There's a, a well-known vart from the Vilna Gain at the beginning of the parsha. If you look in the discussions between Avram and Ephraim, the negotiations about buying the uh, the plot of Maris Machpela. So there's seven different times that it's mentioned the kvura of the mace, the burial of the mace. The first time it says, ekbara es mesi milifanai, that I want to bury my dead before me. Kvaris mesecha, then he says back, you should bury your dead. Mikvar mesecha, likvar es mesi, kvar mesecha, ekbara es mesi. Six of the seven times there is a lotion that the kvura comes before the misa. The ekbaras mesi, kvura first, misa second. The seventh time, it says ves mescha kivar, that the misa precedes the kivura. Now that time I understand, the misa does precede a kivura. Right? First the person dies and then they get buried. Why does it keep saying in the six times previous to that, likvaras mesi, as if the kivura, the burial, is preceding the misa? It doesn't seem to make sense. So the Vilna Gain says a beautiful pshat. He says that we know that there were six tzaddikim and tzidkanias that were buried in Maris Machpelah. There was Avram and Sarah, Yitzchak and Rivka, Yaakov and Leah. Those six were tzaddikim. They were buried in the regular plots of the Maris Machpelah. Of course, there was also Adam and Chava, but talking about the Avis and the Imais, uh, they were buried there. Now we know that there is a klal that tzaddikim b'misasa and kruyim chayim. When tzaddikim are no longer alive, they're still called that they're alive. We still consider them to be alive for whatever reason. Their, their deeds go on, their legacy continues. There's still life to them even after they're dead. Chazal say that if you repeat over Torah from somebody that died, that their lips are actually chattering in the grave. When you're saying over Tyra, if we're saying over the Vilna Gain's Tyra right now, so the, the Vilna Gain, his mouth, his lips are actually moving in the, in the kever. But there is a point that they will be Bechines Mace. When is that? The Gemara says in Shabbos that Tafkufnun Bezim Abez that a second before Trias HaMesim, in order to have Trias HaMesim, it's only a, a, a kunst to have Trias HaMesim if the person's dead. So if tzaddikim are having Trias HaMesim, clearly they have to at one point be Bibachinas Mes. So a second before Trias HaMesim, there we give them a full-fledged din of a Mes, of a dead person, and then HaKadosh Baruch Hu is Mechayim Mesim. But in general, there is by tzaddikim, the aside that the kavura comes before the misa because first they are buried, but they're still alive in a certain sense after they're buried, and the misa comes, you know, millennia later, right before trias hamesim. They're going to be dead then, and then they come back to life. So for the sixth sadikim, for the sixth sadikim, Avram and Sarah and Yitzchak and Rivka and Yaakov and Leah. They were bebechinas tzadikim b'misasim kareem chaim. They were alive. So first the lashon kvura comes. They were buried, 
and only later is it shaykh to say misa because they were still technically alive until much later. So it's vekvaras mesik, varas mesacha, etc. Avram Avinu, in these six times, Avram and Light, these discussions in the Torah were alluding to the six tzaddikim that are buried there. But there was a seventh personality that's also buried in Maris Machpelah. We know that Esav was buried there. We, it's famous, the Gemara says in Saita, how Esav tried to stop Yaakov from being buried there when Yaakov died. And they brought him from Mitzrayim with a big procession, a big royal procession, brought him to Mitzrayim, from Mitzrayim to Eretz Canaan, to Maris Machpelah. Esau says, not so fast. You can't bury him here. I'm also a, a child. Why, do I, why does he get to get buried here? Maybe I should be buried here. So they said, well, you sold the Bechairah to, uh, to Yaakov. So he says, okay, fine. I sold the Bechairah to Yaakov, but I'm still, what about the regular? I'm, also, I'm, I'm a Yerish. I'm not, maybe I'm not the Bechairah anymore, but I still am entitled to a, the Chelek Pashat, the regular Chelek that's not the Chelek HaBechar. So he says, well, no, that was also included. We have a contract that you sold even that. He says, prove it. I'm, I'm not, anyway, long story short, uh, Naphtali was very fast. He was going to run down to Mitzrayim to fetch the Shtar, where they, they left it in Mitzrayim. In the meantime, Chushim ben Don, Don had a son who was hard of hearing, he was deaf, and he basically didn't know what was going on, and he, he took a baseball bat and he hit Esav over the head. He says, my grandfather is, sitting, is lying and we want to bury him, and you're stopping him, a chutzpah, and he, and he killed him. That was the end of the Gemara in Saita, but the Medrash says that his head rolled into the... It wasn't just that he was killed by that baseball bat, he was actually decapitated, and the head went and rolled into a, into a, into a ditch in Maris Machpel, and he's buried there in Adayim. There is a place, the legend has it, we know exactly where that room is where Esav's head is buried. So he's the seventh person that's buried in Maris Machpelah. He's no tzaddik, and so by him, it's Shaykh the Lashon of what? That final seventh Lashon of Vesmescha Kivar, that the dead should be buried, meaning he was dead already even when he was alive. Risham Bechayeim Kruim Mesim. When he was alive already, he was, he was dead. So, but he was certainly dead before he was buried. And so Vesmescha Kivar is an allusion to the seventh person buried in Maris Machpel, and that's Esav, that his head is buried there, and that is the pshat for the seventh time. It doesn't say kvura and then misa, but it says esmescha kivar, that there was a misa and then there was a kvura. Adkan divrei hagra. So I want to share with you a beautiful vart from Avaron Kotler. Avaron Kotler, the Lakewood Rosh Hashiva, he said, why is it that Ashkocha had it that Esav's head is buried in Maris Machpelah? Why is Esav's head, is, you know, why not his whole body? If you're going to bury him, bury him in a, you know, put his whole body in there. Why is it that the measure says that his head of all things were, was buried in Maris Machpelah? It's a good question. So he says even a better answer. He says that Esav was, and we spoke about this, I think, last week, contrary to public opinion, Esav was a very big Talmud Chacham. We like to think of Esav as like a bad guy, he was a Russia, he was a you know, horrible person, and, he, and maybe he was. 
But Esav was a person that learned a lot of Tyra. Learned a lot of Tyra. It says he learned by he learned by his father by Yitzchak. He learned maybe by Avram Avinu Tyra. He was learning with the Malach in the womb, uh, with 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 Yaakov Avinu. Esav was no was no slouch in learning. Esav was quite impressive. It's a quite impressive Talmud Chacham. You could rest assured that Esav knew a lot more than most people that we know knew. So what was Esau's problem? If Esau knew so much Tyra, so that's a good thing, right? Esau's a Talmud Chacham. So what, what happened to him? Why did Esau become Esau and Yaakov became Yaakov? What happened? So if Aaron Cutler says that the problem with Esau was that he had so much Tyra in his head, but he never allowed the Tyra to go south of his head. The Torah never diffused into his Ramach Eivarim, into his So he basically was a Talmud Chacham in the head. There was a lot of Torah in the head. Like, you know, sometimes they talk about being able to implant a chip in somebody's brain. And, uh, and all of a sudden a person could have all the ideas in the world. And I, I don't doubt that that could possibly happen. You know, you see the, how, how technology is advancing at such a sp- warp speed that, who knows, maybe it is possible to put a USB port you know, into a person's brain and download, uh, you, know, you know, all the great Jewish books and all of the, and, and you know, Barilan and, uh, you know, and, and the Encyclopedia Talmudis and Shas and Paiskim and, you know, we could all be Ravad Yosef. So what's, uh, what's the, uh, why is the, uh, you know, and so wouldn't that be amazing if everybody was Ravad Yosef? The answer is no, because what would happen? I would know all the, I would have it in my brain, I'd have a hard drive full of Tyra, but it would never seep into my body. It's not a kunst to have it in your head. Having Tyra in your head, is, it's impressive. The impressive thing about Ravad Yosef, about Chaim Kanievsky, about all these people that know Kala Tyra Kula, is not that they knew it in their brain and they could rattle it off. That's a computer. A computer, my computer could do the same thing. The impressive thing is when you have a, a Tamar Chacham and he's able to then bring it Lamaisa, meaning that whatever he does, he fulfills. It's not that I know something and I keep it as a, as a, as a study, as a scholarly uh, you know, fact, and I'm a, I'm a brilliant scholar. A lot of brilliant scholars out there, but they're Michal Shavs with Farhesio. Doesn't mean anything. There could be, you know, there are people that are literally scholars. Hard to imagine, like, because you know, we don't understand like the necessarily the geschmack of learning at, at our stage yet. Maybe so we don't understand. Like, if a guy's not from, like, why would he still learn? Why would I, why would anyone learn unless they actually had to learn? But uh, my rabbi used to tell me there are stories of. I think he saw himself. He was once in England, like after the war, and he went to a park. I think it was in Liverpool. Liverpool is uh, famous for a certain Gaiusha band that, that started off in Liverpool. But it's also, for me, Liverpool is always famous because of this story. My Rebbe was in Liverpool, and he, um, and he was walking in a park on Shabbos, and he saw two elderly Yidden that were sitting and learning in the park on Shabbos. They were learning Gemara, maybe they're learning Mesecha Shabbos. So that's a nice thing, a beautiful story. The only problem is there's no Erev in London at the time. And they were smoking cigars as they were learning on Shabbos, whatever Masechta they were learning. And they were into it. They were learning Gishmak. They didn't have to do this. They weren't 
you know, this wasn't their career, it wasn't their profession, they weren't in Kailo, they weren't, they were learning simply because they enjoyed the, uh, you know, the, there, there was a certain kishmak in learning. The lambdas and the, you know, the chakiras and the, the masumat and the shmaitzalibadet, whatever it is that they enjoyed about learning, they were learning, but it didn't, it was in the brain. It never went south of the brain. They never, it wasn't in their hands. Their hands were smoking a cigar. It wasn't in their, it wasn't in their heart. It wasn't in their feet. It was, they, they, they walked on Shabbos with their Gemaras in the air, you know, with no Erev. It never got Lamaisa. It just stayed as a scholarly Gishmak. You know, there's a, there's a, there's a beauty to learning. There's a logic to it that's maybe unparalleled in all the other sciences in the world and all the other types of logic that there are, all the books out there, and there is millions of books out there, but people that know, they understand that there's something special to learning Tyra. I don't know if it's true, but in Korea they say they, they, they study the Talmud. Art School sends a lot of, a lot of uh, Schottenstein editions to Korea. I don't know, you know what they're doing with them exactly, but apparently they're learning them. Why are, they, why are Koreans learning Schottenstein Gemaras? From what? For what? They get, they get an, an A in Talmud, they get three credits for Talmud. Like, what, what are they doing? The answer is that, there's a, that there is some intellectual enjoyment, pleasure that's gotten from learning. But yet, it just stays in the head. It's all intellectual. It's just, uh, you know, intellectual gymnastics. It doesn't mean anything because it never came into your body. Asav was a tremendous Talmud but he had a USB port that it stayed in his brain. As far as Lamaisa, when it came to doing things Lamaisa, when it came to staying away from Averis, he did the Gimel Chamuris. He didn't see that as a stira to learning. He liked learning. He learned by Yaakov Avinu, he learned by Yitzchak Avinu, he learned by Avram Avinu. He learned, he, he, I told you the other week, if, he, you know, if we would be within a, a 400 mile radius of Avram Avinu, we would not be able to exist. We'd be incinerated. Avram, the Kedusha, and imagine learning at the feet of Avram Avinu, learning at the feet of Yitzchak. You have to be, you know, to get into like a, you know, to, to, to be able to just understand what he's saying and not get blown away you know, you have to be something. Esav was definitely something to reckon with. You know, they say Esav asked uh, Avram Avi, Yitzchak all these questions. Kitzayid Befiv. He, you know, he always was trying to scam his father. He was asking. Rashi brings. You know what? You know what? Uh, what? How do you take meiser on salt? And 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 Yitzchak fell for it. Right? Yitzchak fell for it. Apparently, he loved him. Kitzayid Befiv. If you look in, in the time of the Krah, Reb Chaim Kanyev says, like, come on, what, what, Yitzchak fell for that? What, you know, who, he's getting scammed over a Shiloh about, about taking Meiser from salt? And Reb Chaim says, yeah, there's a very big halachic debate about this. And he goes through exactly what the sugi, he brings a whole lumdus in Esau's Shiloh. It wasn't a stam. Esau wasn't a, you know, wasn't, wasn't a nobody in learning. Esau was a person that could have written Svarim, like, you know, off the shelves, Classics are on Lumdus. The taina on Esav was that it stayed in your brain. You didn't have actualize anything. It just was. It just was menasafo luchutz. It was not a pnimistic avida. Tyra was never al menaslases. The liman was never al menaslases. The liman was always just to learn. And I'm learning. I'm enjoying. I'm, I'm accomplishing. I'm making siyumim. But it never got into his bloodstream. Cesar of Aaron Cutler, a person like that, his head. Belongs in 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 Maris Machpelah because his head is chasher, his head is full of Tyra. His body, though, 
is not allowed to enter into Maris Machpela because his body was Chazer Treif. His head was Kaidish Kadashim. But the problem was that there was no connection between his head and his body. And therefore his head was severed. His head belongs in, 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 in a place of Kedusha. But the rest of his body, no. It never was able to... Your body was Tameh. Your head is tar nice. Your body, let your head go into Masbel, but not your body. I wanted to say that maybe that's the Pshat in the Gemara Menachis on Lamed Vavim and Aleph. The Gemara brings a Brisa, and we know this. There's Alocha that Vahayu Letaitafes Bene Necha. When you wear Tfilin, it has to be Letaitafes Bene Necha. And the Gemara says, as long as the shalroish is between your is on your head, there always has to be two. What does that mean? When we put on a shal yad, we don't have a shalroish on yet. When we have a shalroish on, you always have to have a shal yad. You can never have a shalroish alone. You can never like you know just take off the shal yad and keep the shalroish on. When you have the shal, you always have to either the shalroish can never be alone. Always has to be accompanied by a shal yad. When we take when we put our tefillin on, the shalyad goes on, and then the shalresh. We take it off, the shalresh comes off first, and then the shalyad. We can't take off the shalyad and then shalresh because the shalresh has to always be accompanied by a shalyad. You know why? So I was thinking maybe it's this pshat because the yad represents always action. What we do, the power that we do, whatever we do, our deeds is, is the yad. Our head, our minds, our brains is always the shalresh. The shalresh can never be alone. The shalresh always has to be accompanied by a shalyad. You can't, it's not a, it's not chashiv. If a person is a big time machachim, but he does nothing with the, with taira, it's, it's, in a way, it's much worse. Because it shows that you're, that you just don't care. At least if I'm, if I'm an amaritz, I don't do anything, you know, I don't do anything. I'm an amaritz, fine, I'm an amaritz. But if you're a Tamil chacham, and you could, you know, you could, you could quote gemara, chapter and verse, taira, you know everything, but then you're a bum, so then is that, is that a Milo, but he's a Talmud Chacham? No, that's, that's disgusting. That's Mamash, you know, a Nezim Zav, It's like have a, a Chazer having a golden nose ring. Is that, is that a beautiful thing? Wow, it looks great on you. No, you look disgusting. You're a pig. You're a Chazer. You have a nose ring. That's, that doesn't beautify you. That makes your, that makes your ugliness even more pronounced. And so the fact that a Tamachacham has, if a person has, is, has a head that's Tamachacham, but he doesn't follow suit, it's not a good thing. The Shalresh always has, has to have a Shalyad. Because that means that if you have a Shalresh and you don't have a Shalyad, that that's Esau. Esau had a Shalresh without a Shalyad. He had beauty in his head, but no action. You have, you have to have action accompanied with intellect. Intellect with action. That's what it is. It has to be a. It has to be a limud amenas lasis. Whatever we learn has to actual be actualized in our deeds. If we don't have it actualized in our deeds, then that is not a mile. Nobody cares that a person is a tamur chacham if he doesn't act like a tamur chacham. It's it's a bad thing. If you're learning and you're trying to impress people and blowing people away because of what you know, but you're acting like you know like 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 an amaritz, then that's that's an esav. Yaakov, you know, all the tzaddikim that were buried there, they didn't just keep it in their minds, as brilliant as they were in terms of their, their knowledge, but it, it seeped into their halach Everything that they did was, it, was inspired and informed by Tyra. 
There wasn't a move that they made that wasn't tyradic, that every single thing that they, that there wasn't, a, nothing happened without it being, without it being uh, uh, inspired by the tyrant. This parsha is the parsha of Shiduchim. I think Rav Pam every year used to give a shmuz, and his shmuz were generally very well attended, but everybody knew to come, you know, every bachar in yeshiva, people from the neighborhood, they made an extra effort to come on, when he gave this Friday shmuz in Parshas Chayisar because it was always about Shiduchim. And because this is the parsha of Shiduchim, it's, a, it's, it's the parsha, I think, has 105 psukim, and Kimat, all of it, after they bury Sarah, the entire parsha pretty much just speaks about the whole story about Avram, you know, asked Eliezer to go and, and get a, a shidduch for, Rivka, for, for Yitzchak, and how he went to the base Besua with Lavan, and he found Rivka, and the Rabbi and his Tfilas, and his, the Siat Deshmaya, the Ashkocha that he saw in Shidduchim. And of course, there's so many lessons to be taken from this parsha. As far as Shidduchim, if you're in the parish of Shidduchim or you're about to get into it, this is like the epicenter of Emunah, Bitachin, understanding the process of how Shidduchim work. And even though people are depressed from Shidduchim, it's a very hard process. A lot of people, you know, it takes them a long time to they find the right one. It takes sometimes a long time before you can even get a date. If you're, especially if you're a girl, it's a very difficult parsha. It really rocks a person's amunah bitachin. This is the parsha that you could really draw inspiration and strength. You know that that all is not lost. Hakadosh Baruch Hu has a plan. There's ashkacha pratis. Befrat when it comes to shidduch, Hakadosh Baruch Hu is is the bayre. He's the manik. He's the he's the he's he's the mezavik zivugim. This is what the Gemara in Saita says, HaKadosh Baruch Hu is busy with all day, being Mezavik Zavugim, it's Kashuk Kriyas Yamsev, but there's a God in the world, and there's so much to be taken from this parish of Shidduchim. But I want to speak specifically about Shidduchim vis-a-vis what we're talking about in the context of today's Shmuz, about how important it is to have not just a brain, but also for the, of, with, full of Tyra, but also to have Midas Taibas, and how the Tyra has to really inf- be infused in whatever you do and throughout your whole body and throughout your whole life. They once came to the stipler. Somebody came to the stipler and asked the stipler, my daughter is about to enter the parish of Shidduchim, and I'd like some uh, advice like, what should I be looking for for a chassan for her? I'm going to go to Rosh Hashivas, I'm going to go to Shad Khanim, I need to, you know, I need to really sort of frame what we're looking for. Tell me, like, what I should be asking for. What's important? So the stipler says, there's three things that you should be looking for when, you, when you're looking for a shidduch for your daughter. The first thing is that the boy should have hasmad abatayra. He should be a masmid. He doesn't say he has to be a guy, he doesn't have to be, you know, the, the most brilliant person. But he has to have a smud, he has to sit, come to Seder on time, leave on time, first Seder, second Seder, night Seder, maybe learn after night Seder, Bainastarm, all that, but that's he has to be, have a smud about Tyra, number one. Number two, he has to have Midas Tyvis, he has to have good Midas. Good character trait. And number three, he has to have a seichal yashri, he has to be glot, he has to think clearly. Sometimes you speak to people and they're like, you know, everything is twisted and turned, you know, like there's no straight 
clear path. Everything that they say is like illogical and off, off the beaten track, and there's no rhyme or reason. You, don't know, you never know what the guy is going to say. A person with Seichla Yasha, just a nice glatta cup. He does, that doesn't mean a brilliant mind. It just means that he has a, a clear, logical way of thinking. He's, in, he's with it. He's normal. He's well-adjusted. He's, those are the three things that you need. So the person like, looked a little surprised at what the stipler said. He says, excuse me, Lamdeinu Rabbeinu, like, I, there's one thing I don't understand. You said that he has to have a smudden tire. That presumably means that he's been learning and he, he's a shlegel tamad chacham. He knows, he knows how to learn. He's got a lot of tire in his brain. But then you also say he has to have midas tivis. Don't we know that midas tivis are affected by tyra? Don't, don't we believe that tyra is supposed to purify a person? Tyra is supposed to make a person into a mensch? In fact, there are, you know, when the Musser movement began, we saw Salantu as Mechadish, that every yeshiva should be learning Musser and make a Musser Seder and learn, learn Musser and have a real drive for Musser. So a lot of yeshivas, they said, no, we don't, we don't want Musser here. We don't need Musser. Why? Because we learn Gemara all day. We learn Gemara. We get all the Musser that we need from our learning. We have Asmada, there's Kedusha and Taira, and that, that'll iron out all of our Midas. Now, this was a, a raging debate in the Eilamah Yeshivas, whether that was true or not. Brisk doesn't have any Musser Seder. Briskers believe this, that you, know, that, that you don't need Musser. You have, you have Taira. Taira, if you, you're Lamdin and you're learning and you're Shaku and learning, that's enough Musser. You don't need to be Mavatla, everybody's Taira, and make, you know, make a special Musser Seder. And many other yeshivas felt that way also. There's a very big, uh, in, in Tells in Europe, it was a very, eventually they became a big Muslim yeshiva, but at, at first there was a big revolt. The guys in yeshiva, many of the guys in yeshiva did not want Muslim in the yeshiva. Anyway, long story short, that is uh, what he asked the stipler. If you have Hasmada and Taira, why do you have to also look for Midas Taivas? should be par for the course. So the stipler says, no. That's a mistake. He says, when a Bachar is learning in yeshiva, so he has, he has a mate, he has a zivug. Who's a zivug? His zivug is a shtender. Shtender, you know, in, in America, and a lot of yeshivas, they, most yeshivas, most, you know, like we have in our basement, we have tables. Right? Many of the yeshivas in Eretz Yisrael have tables. But a lot of yeshivas have shtenders. Everybody learns by shtenders. In Kaltair, where I learned, well, a lot of the Israeli yeshivas in Panovich, they have just have shtenders. In Hevron, they have shtenders. And they don't have tables. They have Everybody has their own shtender. And, uh, you know, and they learn by their shtenders. In Lakewood, they have shtenders. They don't have tables. You know, it's, it's not like our basement. It's like everyone has tables and, and they have shtenders. They learn by their shtenders. By the way, just as an aside, I heard from my rabbi that when, when Lakewood was in its early stages, so Ramesha Feinstein visited there and he saw that they were learning by shtenders and he didn't like it. He felt that that was wrong. He says, I don't know how Tyre could be matzliach if you're learning by shtender. He says, a person has to like bend over to Tyre. You don't bring the Tyre to you. You know, it's like the shtenders are basically, you're sitting back in your chair and you're having a Gemara and it, he says, you have to bet, if you ever see any pictures of Ramesha learning, he's always, he's always like completely like mevatal himself to the Gemara. He says, I don't see how, this is what I heard, I don't know, Kashan, listen, you know, Lakewood became, you know, exploded, Lakewood is a, you know, 
thousands and thousands and thousands of Tamil Chum and like, you know, amazing what's going on there. But this is what Ramesha's horror was. But anyway, that, but in a lot of yeshivas, they have shtenders. So the stipler sa- said that the zivug of a yeshiva bacher, when he's learning, before he gets married, the main zivug that he has is a shtender. And the shtender makes a wonderful wife. There's no greater spouse than a shtender. So the shtender never, you know, never complains. Shtender never has, uh, is in a bad mood. Shtender never has medical issues. You have to take the shtender to the doctor and, uh, you know, have the shtender, you know, have the blood pressure taken and, and, and you, know, you, don't, you don't need to, to put a thermometer in the shtender's mouth. You don't have to give, uh, the shtender doesn't need, uh, need blood transfusions, Leolenu, it doesn't need uh, surgeries ever. And the shtender doesn't uh, expect to be taken down to Florida on vacation. The shtender doesn't deserve, doesn't think that, uh, you know, d- never criticizes the guy, you know, that you parked in the wrong spot and you did, uh, you know, you didn't, uh, you forgot this in the supermarket. I told you to get mayonnaise, the regular mayonnaise. You got the light mayonnaise and, you know, off with your head. Like, the, the shtender never does any of that. Of course, there's nothing to do with me, of course. I'm just... Um, so, he says, and then... So every, it's, a, it's a beautiful shidduch, a man and a shtender. But then he gets married, and all of a sudden, his new zivug, his wife, has a mouth, and she sometimes gets sick, she sometimes gets into a bad mood, sometimes can be critical, sometimes isn't feeling well, sometimes needs to be taken to the doctor, needs to be, uh, needs to be spoken nicely to, needs to go on a vacation. And the guy is totally like, unfamiliar with how to deal with this. Like, what do I do? Like, this isn't the, sh- where's my shtender? Get me my, sh- I want my shtender back. This is ridiculous. So, so Stipler says that don't be fooled. Don't think that just because the Rosh Shiva tells you that this guy is a big Tamil Chacham, oh, that's good enough for me. Let's marry him. Let's have my daughter marry this guy. You have to make sure that in addition to being a Tamil Chacham, in, in addition to being the biggest Masmid, that he also has Midas Tevis, because if he doesn't have Midas Tevis, then your daughter is finished. Your daughter's mom is, it's the end of her life. Like, if, he, if the guy's, a, you know, acts like disgusting, then, like, you know, you don't want that. I, but he's a Tamil Chacham. Yeah, but Esau was also a Tamil Chacham. Esau was also a very big Tamil Chacham, but his head got into Maris Machpil, but his body didn't, because it never, there was never any carryover from his, the Torah that he learned to becoming a mensch, becoming a, 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 perf, a person, that never happened. They say in Maiso with Rizal Salanter, Rizal Salanter's granddaughter was engaged to, got engaged to Reb Chaim Eiser. Reb Chaim Eiser was married to, Reb Chaim Eiser was married to Reb Yisrael Salanter's granddaughter. And, and, Rabbi Sal Salanter's son-in-law, who was the future father of Rabbi Salanter, uh, of, of, of Rabbi Chaim Meiser, sent a letter to Rabbi Sal Salanter. Rabbi Sal Salanter didn't come for the Vart or anything. And he says, we get a Mazel Tov, my daughter got engaged, uh, and he's such a big Talmud Chacham. Such a Talmud Chacham. This Rabbi Chaim Meiser, you know, Rabbi Chaim Meiser was a Ghana Ga'inim. He knew everything. He was Mamish, uh, you know, he was a, the biggest Talmud Chacham of the Dar. So... Rebchaim Meiser, and he was telling about the Shtikol Torah that he said over by the Vart, by the Lachayim, he is brilliant, and, you know, so, and this, this letter arrives to Rebchaim Salander's house, and Rebchaim Salander writes back one line. He says, Iker chasem mena sefer. He says, you told me about how big a Tamil Chacham he was, but you left out 
the most important thing. He says, the Pasuk says, Esbiti nasati le'ish hazeh. My daughter I gave over le'ish hazeh to this man. But in Yiddish, the word ish is what? A mensch. My daughter I gave over to this mensch. He says, it doesn't say I gave over my daughter to this Tamil Chacham. I gave over my daughter to this mensch. A person that's, that I, you didn't tell me anything about his Midas. Now, of course, it's Rabbi Salaslander, which he does. Rabbi Salaslander was all about Midas. But Rabbi Salaslander, you should know, is also the most brilliant Tamil Chacham of his generation. Very few people know that about Rabbi Salaslander. They think Rabbi Salaslander was a person that sat all day and learned Mesos Sharim and, you know, gave Musa Shmuzin all day. Rabbi Salaslander was a brilliant, brilliant Tamil Chacham. Everybody knew this. Rabbi Salaslander said about himself that I have the brain of a thousand men. He says, but I also, that wasn't bragging, he just knew that he had the brain of a thousand men. He says, but with that comes the achrayas of having a brain of a thousand men. I mean, I, I have to do a thousand men's job in life because HaKadosh Baruch gave me that brain. They say a Maisa with Rabbi Salaslander that he was about to give a shear and he gave, like we have Mara Mekaymas in the base matter, so there was Mara Mekaymas put up on the wall and, uh, you know, a whole complicated sugya, maybe 10, 20 marimakaymas. And there were people that were, like I said before, there was anti-Rabbi Salanter. People were very, some people were very against him. Some Yeshiva Bachram, like, felt that he was, that the Muslim movement was not a, the appropriate thing to do. Like I said before, they were very anti-Muslim, and they felt that, you know, so what they did was, they took down his sign, and they did, like, 20 other just random marimakaymas. As soon as that sign was put up, they took it down, put 20 random marimakaymas, and like, but just like random, like a Ramam and Shemitah V'yayvel, and then a Rashba and Yevamis, and like, just like, no rhyme or reason. No rhyme or reason for this, any of these things, like crazy marimakaymas. They put that up, that was their shtick. Rizal Sander comes in and just makes sure that the marimakaymas are right, and he's like, ooh, you know, somebody changed the marimakaymas. So he... He basically took the Marmachim sheet up and there was a big crowd of people in the base matters waiting to hear his shear. And he looks at the Marmachim sheet for a few seconds and then he gives a shear, a brilliant, brilliant shear built on all the Mar- these new you know, Marmachim that are fake. My daughter would say the Faramachimis. You, know, you always put an F and if it's fake, you have to like... But it's, it's, these are fake marimakaymas. But he brought, and, and his Talmidim said that the reason why he took him a few seconds is not because he needed that time to develop this brand new shear. He, that was a split second. That was mamish like splitting the atom. That was like a split second. But he was just not sure if it was maybe gaiva to develop a shear like that on the, on the fly. He wasn't, is it gaiva? Is it not? All right, let's do it. But that was the only DM that he had. But in terms of the, that's he's brilliant. So he knew what Tyra was. He, he was a tremendous Tamachacham. But he wrote back to his son in law and he said, Iker Chasm, and I said, Tell me a little bit about his Midas. I don't care about a Tamachacham. I care about it. Obviously, it's very important to be a But that's not the main thing. The main thing I want to know is BT Nasati Lisha, is, is he a mensch? Is he a human being? Is he a fine person? Is he a refined person? That's the nightmare. The nightmare is like when you have a, a child in Shidochem. You know, it's not just that you're getting a guy that's good in learning or whatever. You know, is he a mensch? Is he a normal, nice, fine, you know, proper person? That's what you want for your daughter or, you know, and that's, and that's really, that's what the stipler said. The stipler, by the way, wasn't saying that Tyra doesn't do anything for me. This There's another stipler that writes somewhere else 
that Tyra does something for me. You know what Tyra does? It makes, if a person was an animal, it sort of makes him less of an animal. Tyra does, like, do something in terms of your midas, but it's, it doesn't make a person into, like, into a Rishel Salanter. It doesn't make him into a, into a, into a real mensch. That you need Musser. That you need to really work on your midas for. Tyra doesn't do that. But Tyra does, like, does make you, like, not... It civilizes a person, but it doesn't make him refined, necessarily. <laughs> and that is a... You know, that's a very important, you say, that we all have to, you know, think about How's our learning affecting us? We spend a, a lot of time all day, Baruch Hashem, in the base Medrash. You know, we have a first Seder, and then we go to Shir, and then we go to, some of us stay for afternoon Seder, some of us stay for night Seder, some stay up until the wee hours of the night, and on Shabbos, and on Yantif, and on... And we're learning a lot. Do we implement our learning? Is it changing us? Is it affecting us? Do we find that our midas are better? Do we find that our, our mitzvahs are better? Are we makbid on things now that we're learning, now that we're B'nai Taira? Are we more makbid on, on, on things? Or is it, just, is it just an intellectual pursuit and we're learning? We're in yeshiva. We get to say that we're in yeshiva. We get to, to know, you know a lot of Taira and it's interesting and it's, it's geschmack and you know, Musr is geschmack and Taira is geschmack, Kumar is geschmack, Chumash is geschmack. We like it. It's enjoyable. But is it making us different? Is it staying just in our brain or is it really, we see a change, like it's changing me. It's making me a fine person. It's making me a nice person. It's making me hold the door open when people are about to come in. We don't slam the door in their face and, you know, in complete, like, you know, disinterest in anyone around us. If there are people in the dorm that aren't feeling well, we go and bring them their food for lunch, for supper. If we, if we see somebody's not in a good mood, somebody's depressed, we go over to them and we put our arm around them. We say, what's going on? Talk to me. I want to I help you. If you're married and you know your wife is having a hard time, are you there for? Are you take, doing the errands? Are you doing the chores? Are you taking out the garbage? Are you clearing the table? Are you setting the table? Are you helping? You know, buy in, bring in food, whatever it is. Are you, are you a mensch? Are you a mensch? That's what it comes down to. Are you a tamul chacham and are you a mensch? Are very often two separate questions. Tamul chacham, you might be. Tamul chacham, you might be like mamish, the biggest maskman of the world, but. In addition to that, are you a mensch? Ramesha Feinstein's Rebetzin used to say about Ramesha, she said, there will never, ever, until Mashiach comes, you can rest assured, there will never be another gain like my husband. So don't even think about it. If you think you're, gonna, you know, you're ever going to be a Ramesha Feinstein, no, you're not going to be a Ramesha Feinstein. Ramesha Feinstein was Ramesha Feinstein. He was once in a, in, you know, in, in, in a couple of hundred years, and for the next couple of hundred years, there ain't going to be another Ramesha. That's what she said. But she did say, but a mensch like my husband, you might be able to be. A mensch like my husband, you might be able to be. We can't be Ramesha in terms of... But Ramesha is Midas. If you, you know, get the biography, you know, they put out a biography when he was Nifter. I have it. If you come down to my office, it's like, it's, it's torn up. I must have read that biography dozens and dozens of times. Mamashi, the binding is all, the, the pages are like, are, 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 are single pages. It's like a, you know, it's like a stack of loosely pages. There's no binding on it anymore. And then they came out on his 25th yard site a couple of years ago. They redid the biography. It's thicker. They put in more pictures, more stories. It's, you know, because over time you see much more of Ramesh's impact on the world. 
Ramesha, the biography spoke obviously a lot about his brilliance. He was the most brilliant mind in the Pesach Hadar. He was, you know, what did Ramesha not do perfectly? His drushes are, are, are amazing. You know, he has Svarim called Kolram and Darish Mesha, a couple of volumes. And, and you know, his drasha, you like drashas, Ramesha is a safer to go to. You like Psach Halacha, you go to Digris Mesha. You like Lamdas and Gemara, you go to the Dabras Mesha. Uh, you know, Ramesha did everything. He was, he was mamish like he was, he, he had Kolotar Kula there. But most of the safer, 90% of the safer, is not about his Tyra. It's about his Midas, about all the crazy stories that they say about him, you know, what he did. Like, he didn't leave a dinner, you know, unless he went, to, you know, we leave a Yeshiva dinner. And what do you do? You go, you know, you take your, or you go to a Chasna, you go, you, you know, you're busy with going to, to the valet parker and getting your car. Ramesha would go to the kitchen and thank all the people, kitchen, you know, all the, the kitchen staff, the waiters and the busboys and the cooks and the, the, the dishwashers. Thank you. Everything was delicious. Everything. Who does that? Oh, it was the person that happened to know Kalatayra Kula. It wasn't just a guy that didn't... The Ramesh was the busiest man in the world, but he made time to go and thank the kitchen staff. Do we, did we ever do that once in our entire lives? Maybe once, but like not more than that. You know, they say stories about Ramesh. Somebody gave him a ride home, and, uh, and basically he slammed the door. He was closing the door. He didn't realize that Ramesh's hand was still in the door. And Ramesha, they, he closed the door on his, on his hand. And th- those were the days that cars were really cars. Today, you know, cars are like fars. You know, they're, they're, they're fake cars. They're not really, you know, they have, uh, maybe I'm doing that a little too often. Um, but, you know, it's like lightweight coming out. Trust me, I don't want the door closed even today on my fingers. But, but those days, the cars were tanks. And Ramesha was mamish, like his hand was caught in the door. And it was bleeding. And he, he was like, going like this, the whole ride home, he didn't want to like, say anything to the, to the driver because the driver is doing him a chesed by giving him a lift. How dare he even say a word that he, you know, that he would... Now, is that story true? It's in the biography. I wasn't there, but I'll tell you one. They don't say stories about me and you about like that. Okay? They don't even say legends about... But Ramesha was shayach to happen. It was shayach to have because Ramesha was the greatest Hamachachim, but the, the Tyra seeped into his Ramesha. He believed it. He lived it. He breathed the Tyra. That's what is the Chap. It's not a Chap to be a Ben Tyra. When we say a Ben Tyra, I don't mean that you can give him a Fahar and you know it's called Tarakula. Is he a mensch? Is he a human being? Is he a nice person? How are his Midas? For crying out loud, did the Tyra do anything to him? Did the Tyra do anything to him or did it just leave him nothing? And it's possible for a person to spend their whole life learning Tyre, but it did nothing. That's Esav. And our job in yeshiva is to learn a lot of Tyre, chaparain. These are the years you have to chap and you have to learn and have asmada. And, but don't think that that's a substitute for working on midas. You still have to work on your midas. You still have to learn musa. You still have to really make sure that whatever you do, you're actualizing. The Ramban writes in, the, in his famous letter, he says, Kasher takum in a sefer. Every time you get up from a sefer, you finish learning whatever it is that you learned. If it's a dafyaimi, if it's musr, if it's halacha, if it's gemara, it's psachim, whatever it is, there's always tachser basher lamadata. Chazer over what you learned. If there's something that you're able to, to take lamaisa from it. I'll just end with uh, the hesped that Rebbe Chan Basman made about his Rebbe, the Chabetz Chaim. 
Chavetz Chaim was somebody that, again, like, like Ramesha, he lived once in hundreds of years, the Chavetz Chaim. How did the Chavetz Chaim become the Chavetz Chaim? That was Rebbe Khanan's kasha at the Hesped. How do you become a Chavetz Chaim? What, what do you do? How do you, how do you, how do you create a Chavetz Chaim? He said, I'll tell you a story that my Rebbe, the Chavetz Chaim, told me once, autobiographical story. And he said, I think that was the site of how he became the Chavetz Chaim. So when he was a little boy learning in Cheder, he was in like a crowd of boys that were, you know, a little bit rougher. And the little kids, and they were all, they were hungry. You know, it wasn't like so much food available. And they were hungry. They wanted an apple. Apple then was like, you know, like a, you know, like a, a, a chocolate bar today or like, a, you know, we're, we're so spoiled. You know, every, we have everything that we want. Back then, an apple was all they had. That was what they dreamt of. They were poor, and there was no, you know, that was their gashmas, having an apple. So they went out into the marketplace, and there was a woman that had a, a push cart full of apples. And the, the kids were, like, really, like, rough kids, and they, uh, they uh, one of them distracted the woman, started talking to her, and the other one, like, kicked the, kicked, kicked the bottom of the push cart, and the apples started rolling all over the place. And the boys, excitedly, they all chopped, you know, an apple, two apples, or whatever. And the Chavetz Chaim, it's hard to say about the Chavetz Chaim, even as a child, but, like, he also took an apple. And they, they were laughing, they enjoyed it. They didn't understand that there was an issue even of, uh, of stealing. They were very, very young. And a couple of weeks later in yeshiva, the rabbi was giving a, you know, a shir. And he was saying that, boys, you know, there's an iser of, of, uh, of gazela, you're not allowed to steal. And the Chavetz Chaim, like, little Chavetz Chaim was like listening to this and said, oh my gosh, you know, I, I, I'm a gazlan. And he says, rabbi, like, is there a way that you can, like, what, what can you do if you did steal? Well, the Pasuk says, v'heshev is like zela shar gazla, you, you return it. But the Chavetz Chaim, as a little child, didn't have any money, so he went home right away after Yeshiva, ran home, he was crying to his mother, Mommy, please, I, I, need, I need, give me a, a little change, give me a little change. She said, what do you need it for? What, what, you know, please, I know that money is very tight, but I just, I don't ask, just please give it to me. And she gave it to him, and she, he ran as fast as he could to, the, to this poor woman that had the apple cart, and he said that I was one of the children that, that stole an apple the other day. I'm terribly sorry. Please forgive me. Please be Michael me. And here's, here's the money for, that I stole. Here's, the, here's an apple's worth of money. And Rebbe Hanan says that's the, that's the Chavetz Chaim. The Chavetz Chaim's greatness was that everything that he learned, he immediately asked himself, how could I put this into action? If HaKadosh Baruch Hu is teaching me this Taira, it must be that there's a reason, a lesson that's, that's unique to me. And look at what the Chavetz Chaim went on to do. I mean, the Chavetz Chaim, there wasn't a, he wrote dozens and dozens of contrasim, little pamphlets. You could still see them online or whatever. They had called kids where you can get. There was pamphlets. What were the pamphlets on? He saw that people were shvach and shmir Shabbos. He wrote a pamphlet about, shmir, about the importance of keeping Shabbos. He saw that people in the army, boys are being, Jewish boys are being conscripted to the Russian army and they couldn't keep kosher there, they couldn't keep Shabbos. And there was all the, he wrote a kuntras about how they could you know, stay strong in the army, what they could do to get around these halachas that, to, to make sure that, you know, that they're not eating tarfas, they're not doing, they're doing shmir, if they're keeping Shabbos, it's in the, the best way possible for them to do it. Why did he have to do that? You know, and then he wrote, of course, the Mishnah Bura. He saw that Klai Yisrael having an issue with Shmir Salash, and he wrote Shmir Salash and Chafetz Chaim, and he went around and he sold these farm all over the world. He, he made a revolution. 
because the Chavetz Chaim was, a, was that still, still that same little boy that when he heard about Leisigzel, boom, gonna, I'm not even waiting a second, I'm going to actualize that. And when I see there's a problem, I'm going to make sure to solve that problem. I'm not going to just go to sleep and yawn and, like, you know, and, and, and move on with my life. I'm going to make sure that I'm going to tackle that problem. And so whatever he saw that Klai Yisrael needed, he was the one that was Aymid B'Paretz. He was the one that went to fill that gap because he saw it as his own personal mission in life to take the Taira and to bring it Lidei Maisa. And that's what we have to do. We have to, and it's hard because sometimes, you know, our Yitzhahara is in our body and our bodies have so many of their personal needs and it's not always so easy, you know, to wash Nagel Vasa when you wake up in the morning. You want to check your, you know, this and you want to do that. And you, you know, but you have to go. Halacha says you have to go wash Nagel Vasa. You wash Nagel Vasa. And then you do your thing. Uh, you have to wake up for, for davening. But I don't want to wake up for davening. Yeah, but you know that you have to wake up for davening. So you wake up for davening. You have to go to Seder. You have to learn. You have to do mitzvahs. You have to daven with kavana. You have to, you know, be nice to your parents. You have to be nice to your friends. You have to give kavit to Tyre. You have to... But I don't want, okay, I know you don't want to. I know it's easier not to. I know there's a tremendous resistance against your body not doing things, but being in yeshiva, being a ben taira means that we have to take that taira that we learn and let it spread throughout our hands. That the shalreish can never sit alone. It's not a, it's not a mila, it's not a crown on your head if it's just a shalreish. There has to be the yad, there has to be the action. Otherwise, we're just an Esav. Otherwise, we're the Esmeis Kavar, we're the, we're the people that our heads belong in a, in a Makam Kaddish, but our bodies don't. And so that's the site of today's parsha that we have to try not to be like Esav. We have to try to be the Tzadikim, those Tzadikim that everything became Tyra. Their whole body was Tyra Dick. Their whole body was Kedusha. You know, we said before about the, the Vilna Gain and how the Vilna Gain was... Uh, you know, how, how holy he was and how, how much Kedusha he had and how I said, if I, when I say over the, the Vilna Gaon's Tyre, I said, that's a size of Daivais Bekeva. Remember I said that? That his lips are moving in the grave? The Vilna Gaon, a, a couple hundred years ago, not a couple, um, maybe 150 years ago, I think. No. 150 years after he was Nifter. He was Nifter in 1797. Um, so maybe about 130 years after he was Nifter, they had to dig him up because the communists, they didn't chas v'shalom, you know, to keep the Vilna Gain and a Jewish cemetery in Vilna intact. That's not a good idea. They had to build a sports stadium or they had to build some shopping center, Dafko over there. There's not enough land in, in Russia, you know, to find other than a Jewish cemetery to build these things. You have to punk, build it on top of a Jewish cemetery. So the Jews said, what do you mean? The Vilna Gain is buried here. I said, well, we'll, we'll pay for it or whatever. Move him. You know, just, just uh, reinter him in another cemetery. It's 150 years, maybe more, after the Vilna Gain died in 1797. And they didn't know what to do. They had a, you could read about it in his biography. They had, they had to fast. The people that were... Imagine if you had the job of digging up the, the Vilna Gain's grave. They had to fast and they had to daven. And it was, they got Sadiqim to do it. And the edus was that... When they dug up the Vilna Gain's body, they were expecting, I guess, you know, what you'd expect after 150 years of decay, just maybe bones if you're lucky, right? But maybe nothing, just the dirt. And the Vilna Gain's body was fully intact. His beard was fully intact. His cheeks, and again, I wasn't there, but this is what, it's in the biography. His cheeks were rosy red. 150 years after he was nifter, his cheeks were rosy red. 
the rosiness of his Hadras Panim was still on the Vilna Gain's face. His body was fully intact. Every finger, every nail, every, every tone, every, his whole body was intact 150 years later. How does that happen, Rabbi Say? How, why? The answer is that when a person's Tyra goes into his, into his whole body, into his Ramach Evarim, his body is Kaddish, his body becomes holy. And so, just like your Neshama is eternal, your Guf, which was saturated by the Neshama, is eternal also. They say a Misa with a stipler, the stipler always kept his hands above his waist. You know, there's an Indian to do that. Not, the Gemara says about Rabbeinu HaKadosh, that the reason why we call Rabbeinu HaKadosh, Rabbeinu HaKadosh, he's holy, is because his hands was never, were never mitachas labneta. He was never, never below his belt. Always kept his hands for obvious reasons. He never, never put his hands you know, b- below his belt line. So the stipler, his hands were always like this. And, and, then, he w- and then he was nifter, and the Chavar Kadisha like, laid him out on a shulchan you know, to, to get him prepared for the kvura. And they put his hands like this, and they, he had to like, go get something, you know, like some, whatever he needed to, to prepare the body for the kvura. And then he, he turned around, and the stipler's hands were like this. And then uh, they put him back down, and they you know, went away for a few minutes, boop, stipler's hands were like this. Why? Because that's the stipler. The stipler's body was not just a, a, a vehicle for, the, for his neshama to carry. His, his, the stipler's body became as kaddish as neshama. The stipler's body was mamish kaddish kadashim. And because if you're, if you're, the Torah is seeping down, if your every limb is just always defined by Torah and mitzvahs and what I could do with them for HaKadosh Baruch Hu, then your, your, your body is Kaidish. And your body will not decay and your body will, will be alive. It's Mamish Sadikim B'Misasim Kriyam Chaim. Literally, they're still like, they're moving their body. That's life. They have life in them even after they die. That's a, a tremendous goal for us to set for us. Obviously, I don't think we'll be able to maybe make it to the madrega of these great, great tzaddikim, but on our own personal madrega, and I'm talking to myself as well, you know, we have to try to work harder on, on, on raising the bar of what we're learning and how we react to what we're learning, how we live a life of what we're learning. And when we do that, the hasmada and the terror that we're learning will become part of us, will become People that were that are Anshe Kaidish, people that are 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 mentioned, people that are Esbiti Nasati Ishaza, we're gonna be not just Tamidakham, we're gonna be people that will say, Wow, that's how a Tamachacham behaves, that's how a Bentaira looks, that's how he acts, he holds the door, he's nice, he says good morning, he smiles at me, he you know, he helps me with things. He's a good person, he's fine. That's the ultimate compliment for a Bentaira, not how much he learned. That's very important. Don't get me wrong. This is not about not learning. This is about taking all that you learn and applying it to everyday life, that from the morning to night, the Shulchan Aruch and the Ramah and all the things, all the Midas, all the Svar Makadashim, to implement that, to bring that to life, to, to be a whole person, to be a complete person. And Amir Tashem, we will be that.